We are back, we are live, and it's time for us to engage something a little, or as sobering, shall I say, not a little, as sobering as the first conversation. The changing size and shape of the higher education system in South Africa between the years 2005 and 2017. This is a report by the Ali Mazrui Center for Higher Education Studies released in July of 2020. And the person to have that discussion with us this evening is the research associate at that center, Mr. Ahmed Esop. Mr. Esop, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Highlights about the report. What can you just tease us in relation to the significance of this report, what it was probing, what it has found? Well, it's looking at, at the changes that have been happening in higher education in the last, since 2005. 2005 is important because it's the year in which there was a major restructuring of the higher education system with the 36 institutions being reduced to 23 through mergers and incorporations and so forth. Yes. And there's been an ongoing debate about the nature of the system and how it should be differentiated. Uh, and at the time in 2005, uh, the change that were made came out of a report done by the Council on Higher Education then on the size and shape of the higher education system. So we thought at the center that it would be useful to go back and look at what changes have, have happened since then, because they've been fairly, uh, it's been a long period, and no sort of uh, uh, detailed study has been done. So that's really the context. I, I think what, 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 uh, what the report argues is that the most significant change is that the system, in terms of the profile, the racial and race and gender profile of the system has changed. Uh, in, two, in 2017, 84% of the students in higher education are black, and by black I'm talking of African, colored, and Indian. 72% are African, uh, about 58% are female. So there have been significant changes along those lines uh, 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 since, since 2005. Does the report at all, just for me trying to make sure I'm keeping within the critical path and track, does it measure at all the quality of the product, and by product I'm talking about research and innovation coming out of institutions of higher learning, or is it purely looking at how the numbers are coming through and the numbers that are coming out, the time it takes for these numbers to come in, and the demographic mix in all of this? Yeah, look, as the report, as the title says, it's about the size and shape. So we haven't done, if you want, a qualitative study looking at issues, uh-huh. as you say, about quality and so forth. As far as research is concerned, one of the big issues uh, in, the, uh, in the early 2000s was that our research output as a country was going down. Uh, and, and there were changes made at the time to the funding formula for higher education to provide an incentive for research. And there's also been some significant changes in terms of research. Research outputs have both increased. We've increased the numbers of research masters and doctoral students. And more importantly, in, in the late 90s, early 2000s, there were five big institutions that produced about two-thirds of the research publications and the postgraduate outputs in the country, which is the mm-hmm. big five. That's UCT, Stellenbosch, and Pretoria, and what was then the University of Natal. And that has changed. The five still remain major players, but their output has gone down to about 50%. It's 
gone down in the sense that other institutions have started building research capacity, particularly the erstwhile technicons, the universities, what are now the universities of technology, and the historically and the erstwhile historically black universities. Although they started yes. from a small base, they started building capacity in their own right. So that's that's important. We've not looked as you say, the quality of the products that are coming out. Uh, that requires a study in its own right. Uh, yeah. You mentioned a term I don't understand. Please confirm what it means, big universities. What's a big university? Sorry? I, I meant you you the, mentioned big uh, universities. I don't understand uh, sorry, the term. I, Clarify this is not the, the right word. What were the research-intensive institutions? Uh, you know, in the system at the time, there were institutions that focused on both teaching and research and produced the bulk of the research in the country. And in that sense, I was referring to the big institutions. Okay, I understand. Let's focus on something which is quite worrying, and you alluded to it earlier on. Of, of course, the number of your previously ostracized demographic is increasing. But equally of concern is the high dropout rate among your black and colored first-time undergraduate students. What might you attribute that to? Because that's surely not in keeping with the general developmental goals of the nation. Well, before I answer that, can I just clarify that we have yes. a more general problem, which is not only for African and colored students, but it's a problem across the system. About 45% of the young people who enter higher education drop out without a qualification. That 45. African, colored, Indian, and white. Okay. 45. Uh, so, 45, roughly 45%, okay, drop out without a qualification. And we have a small higher education system. Only 20% of the age group that are eligible for higher education enter higher education. So, in a sense, we're taking, for want of a better word, the cream of the crop from our school system into higher education, and 45% of those are dropping out. Uh, across the different groups. It's higher for African and colored students, and I think there are a range of reasons. Uh, it's got to do with uh, issues in the schooling system, particularly in rural areas and township schools, in terms of the quality of schooling, the issues of language, medium of instruction, uh, which in universities is now English, uh, to a lesser extent Afrikaans. Uh, there, there were issues of funding before, however, with the introduction of free higher education in 2017, it's too early to say what the impact of that has been, because mm -hmm. we're only going to see the first sort of group of graduates coming out in the next year or two. Uh, the issues of many African students and college students in particular being first-time students into high first-time in terms of their families, not having the social background in terms of the social capital in their homes and so forth. So there are a range of factors. Uh, but in general, our school system, even our best schools, do not, do not prepare students for higher education. So there's a big gap between schooling and higher education, which is a more national problem and not only a problem for African and colored students. Could, could we spend time talking about the, what is happening clearly in the first, what, 12 years of foundational teaching in this country and the gap that creates getting bigger all the time, which makes it, first of all, only 20% of matriculants, so to speak, go into higher education 
and from there only half make it out. So in other words, what 10% essentially, or just over 10% of the scholars ultimately walk away with the university qualification, given the fact that only 20% make it into higher education, and only half go and get qualifications. So there well, clearly yeah. is it's even a worse problem. Because, I mean, I can't, I, uh, I forget, I'm not familiar with the school figures offhand, but of the yeah. people who start grade one, only 50% complete matric, and of the 50%, as you say, 20% get into higher education or pass with a qualification for higher education. Uh, so we're losing a lot of our young people along the way. It's a major mm. disaster for the country in terms of skills development, in terms of social mobility, and so on. One of the reasons we have a very major uh, inequality in terms of income you know, people with university degrees are a lot more than anybody else because there's a premium on the qualification. If you have more people coming out of university with degrees, uh, the, 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 the salaries would go down because the, the supply will be greater than the demand currently is. So we have uh, a whole range of social and economic uh, impacts of, of, of this of the small throughputs in higher education, uh, which we continue to uh, live with. I'm going to ask a question which is really designed to create a feel-good of what so far has been a very dour story. Of these students who might enter university but leave before getting a university qualification, how many of those are actually consumed in the economy or by the economy or then go and do something which gets them to be contributing, generally speaking, to how the economy works? Well, in other look, words, I mean, are they I, not I just coming out to become social you a, development a, a, a cases? A definitive answer. But if you leave university without a qualification, it's highly unlikely that you're going to be able to get employment. Uh, the people, I mean, uh, in terms of the employment rate, university graduates, the unemployment rate for university graduates uh, is, is much lower than for uh, for for. Uh, school leaders with trick and so forth. So the fact that they've gone to university and done some studies is useful, but it's highly unlikely that they're going to, they're probably going to end up in low-level jobs, if, if at all. What does the report then signal in terms of some of the drastic measures that have to be taken, at the very least, making sure those who enter the system don't leave the system before time? Well, one of the things it's arguing is that we need to rethink the structure of our undergraduate qualifications at university. As you would be aware, the basic degree takes three years. If you do a BA or a BSc, I'm not talking about the specialist sort of medical degrees and engineering degrees and so forth. Uh, uh, and it's arguing that we need to, given the problems and challenges we have in the school system, which are not going to be resolved anytime soon, that we need to rethink how we offer university education, that the three-year undergraduate or four-year professional undergraduate degree is not sufficient, that we need to add a year, either make a three-year degree into a four-year degree and a four-year degree into a five-year degree, and with the additional year to provide, to, to if you want to cover the gap between school and higher education. So to, let, to, to increase the number of years that formally are required, uh, and there was a major study done by the Council of Higher Education in 2014 and recommendations made to government at the time, uh, which, are, uh, uh, which are collecting dust somewhere.
You know, a month ago, I had a conversation with one flip base of solidarity, just giving us an account of the Afrikaners and how they became what we know them to be. I'm, I'm reading the stat here that suggests the headcount of black students at all universities now stands at 85%. This is in 2017 compared to 14.3 of white students and two of white students, I beg your pardon. I'm asking this question in relation to what you have said earlier that the majority of universities teach in English to a lesser extent Afrikaans. And some of these challenges are locked in language, locked in language because information doesn't filter the way it should be filtered, isn't engaged the way it should be engaged, therefore isn't disclosed or in or sort of spat out, if you will, in a manner that one who is supposed to be engaging with, with it most critically is comfortable because all of that is locked in language, locked in English specifically. And yet 85% of those customers those consumers of that service are inherently non-English speakers. A case for PanSlab, a case for education to develop languages so as to unlock information or develop languages to make higher education accessible through language. I think, yeah, I think we, we, we tend to be fairly conservative and rigid in the way we approach language. So it should be possible to develop, uh, if you want, African languages that could be used in higher education setting. Uh, it also requires, if, if we are going to remain with English, and English has become now the dominant, even in the erstwhile Afrikaans-speaking universities, increasingly as a result of more black students entering those institutions who are demanding to be taught in English rather than in Afrikaans. Uh, so if, if English is to be the, or is the medium of instruction, then we have to ensure both that students entering higher education through the school system are as if, uh, you want, versatile in both in their home language and in English. Currently, we do both badly. We have not developed the African languages, uh, including in the school system, and we teach English badly in the school system. So uh, something has to give. And we may, Final question. In, in a sense, I'm arguing that you may have to do both. Sure, in, in, in doing both, and, and I would imagine that choice is a limited poll, if you like. Of course, they're going to choose English over Afrikaans because historically, anyway, it's been proven that Afrikaans is more difficult to access, whatever the reasons might be. That's just a lower of the two fruits. That's not necessarily the lowest fruit. So I I really want us to focus on the role then of language, not just for higher education purposes, for generally how information is developed in this country, packaged use for a nation's development, not just for higher education, but it could be for business, it could be for science, it could be for research, it could be simple access to information developed in languages that is accessible to the people. We're talking about a country that is largely black African, and most of those languages pale in comparison in official use to English and Afrikaans put together. Final comment. I agree. I think we need to develop African languages to the point where they can be used in whatever setting, as you say, uh, including for conversational purposes. You know, there's no reason why in the school setting uh, all kids, irrespective of what background they come from, shouldn't be leaving mm-hmm. with the school system with being conversant in one of the African, one of the major African languages yes. or in the regions in which, uh, in which the school is situated. Currently, we do all of that very badly. 
Fantastic. So thank you so much for your time. I'm going to give myself a bit of time to actually go through this report, and I'm sure there will be one or two questions that I would want to probe more deeply with you. But for now, thank you so much for your time and just giving us a sense of something that should really have us as a nation worried. Mr. Esop, thank, thank you for you. your time. Thank you. Bye-bye.